The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. the show you're listening to rail the sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix living like it matters and, and what matters to me is uh there's actually a combination of things uh that i i'd like to talk about uh on this particular show and uh, first and foremost like i always do uh whenever i do a show and i've lost a member of, of the fraternity that i call it of of athletics in particular football somebody who is uh, close to me in some capacity, some uh, that we somehow are affiliated with um, a school or or town or uh, city or or a program. And in this particular case, um, there's a strong connection there with uh, Will Smith and Ohio State University uh, or the Ohio State University. I guess I would. <laughs> You know, I guess I could add some commentary to it, but it's, it's just senseless. Um, no need for a young man to leave this earth in the way that young man left this earth. And for whatever reason that somebody felt they had the right to take his life, we all know that there is nobody that has the right to take another person's life here uh, on this earth. God give it to us, God take it from us when he chooses to. Anything and anybody who chooses to do differently, in my personal opinion, they're wrong. But what I want to do is just just pay respect. Uh, there's been many conversations, much commentary. Uh, a lot of things have been said. Uh, I guess justice will be done at some point and be served at some point in time. So I'm going to, in honor of Will Smith and Ohio State's going to do something this Saturday at the spring game. Uh, I'm going to take a moment of silence, so join in me if you will. OH. All right. That was for my good friend there, uh, Will Smith, who I knew from a distance. I was, I was, one, of those, I was one of those fans uh, that was uh, on the field, uh, in the stadium, out here in Phoenix, Arizona. As a matter of fact, it was at, at that time, that national championship game that uh, – that, of course, Will played in uh, when Ohio State beat, uh, when the Ohio State beat the U. <laughs> uh, it was right here. And a great game, great football game. As a matter of fact, somebody, uh, there's a link out there that they've been sending around, circulating, uh, kind of make you go back down memory lane. And uh, it was a good football game, damn good football game. And then, of course, um, I was, um, I think it was in Miami. 
and my, my good friend Guy Troop, who I believe is going to be on with me in a second if he's not already. Uh, we were in Miami, and I believe that's when the New Orleans Saints won their uh, Super Bowl uh, championship, and Will, of course, was, was on that team. So uh, I witnessed a couple great games that he played in, and, of course, watched him at The Ohio State University. But Guy, rest his soul, may his uh, family uh, do the best they can to um, heal their hearts. Um, they say that, you know, when we leave this earth, we're in a better place. I believe that. Uh, I also, in, in closing this segment out about that, I also want to uh, tip my hat to one of my dear best friends in life, uh, Mike Piles. Uh, Mike is just, Mike's just one of the boys from the hood that just supports you. You know, come hell high water, he's there for you. Doesn't want a damn thing from you. One of your biggest supporters will be at every game. Um, loves you and your family. Known him since I was, oh gosh, six, seven, eight grade. Uh, just supported me and he, he gave in to pancreatic cancer uh, this morning. So God rest his soul as well. So uh, what we're going to do, we're going to get into the show a little bit. And I've got a couple good friends that I know uh, are going to be joining me. Uh, Maurice Foxworth is, is with me and... Uh, and I believe uh, Guy is, uh, is with me as well. But uh, uh, just so I'll know that your two gentlemen are there, can you both just uh, say a little hello there? Uh, Maurice, Guy, you both there? This is Maurice. I'm here. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm here. Right. Okay, great. Well, uh, well let, let's start off, if, if you will. Uh, Guy, I'm going to just ask you to uh, start this segment off with, with me and Maurice because I don't know the schedules of both of you. Uh, but I want to make sure that I'm uh, able to uh, uh, do this justice because I, as I told Maurice before we started the show, uh, I, I guess I'm a little biased, you know. And, and I've just been one of those type of individuals who it, the, the business of sports, and, and I mean everything connected to it other than playing, it has always been of, of greater interest to me than actually playing the game. Don't get me wrong, I love the game. As a matter of fact, one of my heroes from Canton, Ohio, uh, Alan Page, I had on the show one time talking to him, and uh, I asked Alan, uh, did he love football? And Alan told me he did not love football. I, I don't know how in the world a man as great as he is, off the field and on the field, certainly a Hall of Famer, uh, could play the game and not love it. But then I remembered, I told one of my coaches, you know, he asked me that I love it. I said, Coach, I love it on two days. And he looked at me kind of crazy. I said, I love it on, on Sunday and Monday, on game day and on payday. So, <laughs> so I could understand that. But the other parts of it is probably what turns my stomach. And particularly at the NC2A level, where there seems to be a lack of representation uh, for, for young men and women who participate in these uh, athletic events, uh, but I think there's also other stuff around that that kind of compromises their experience as student-athletes on the campuses of universities. And sometimes it's even the plight of them arriving on a campus. And I think that's where we want to start at today, Guy, because uh, I don't quite understand. And that's why I needed somebody on here today smarter than me. And that's why I'm asked, uh, and I'm glad that you and Maurice are here today, because I don't understand uh, where the problem lies with satellite camps across this country uh, in such a way that the NC2A would find it that they need to step in and disrupt the opportunity for a young man in an instructive environment 
to showcase his skill set to also find out what could make him better, a better product holistically and to receive those instructions from college coaches from around the country by way of a satellite camp. What is wrong with that in your mind, Guy, if you could start us off, please? Well, um, you framed the broad question of um, what's wrong with the NCAA banning satellite camps or why would they? And so I want to just contextualize it for you a little bit by, you know, making it simple and plain so that the listener understands. I, you know, I think most things uh, that we talk about, you know, we try to talk about it in layers to confuse folks. So I'm going to try to simplify it. Generally speaking, the NCAA and its member schools in football, they're run by really the Power Five conferences. So there's five conferences that really dictate to the masses. So if you think about, you know, representation, one president has one vote per school in that conference. You know, the president's listening to feedback from the athletic directors and the head coaches. Oftentimes, the head coaches are more powerful in that equation. So head coaches, recruiting talent, around the nation, five conferences, and so two of the five had historically been involved in satellite camps and uh, allowed their coaches to participate. Uh, So the Big Ten and the Big 12, and then, you know, the lower-level conferences typically would take advantage of that. So schools in the MAC and the Midwest, some of those schools were a part of satellite camps like Sound Mind, Sound Body. But at the end of the day, there's, you know, kids being developed all across the nation. These are instructional camps. And so uh, the rule came into play when uh, School A decided to go into School B's territory, you know, to create a, a presence, you know, under the guise of instruction. Uh, and, I, and I say guys because I don't know whether or not you know, the school went down there to, to to recruit. But, you know, one would assume that the NCAA got involved with it because of the violation of turf. And uh, and the turf has to revolve around a resource that someone wants, the athlete. So in this case, and I'm speaking more about the attention that Jim Harbaugh brought to the satellite camp issue and how other coaches and the conferences uh, rallied against that. And, and uh, if you will, Guy, how did he bring this attention? What was it that he said that you, that you feel was was it something that was inflammatory? I mean, what, how did he say it in such a way that it got everybody's well, attention? It's not what he said. It's what he did. He took a, a satellite campus out of an area where Michigan typically had camps, and he took it in the south and decided, hey, I'm going to, you know, park my bus up here and try to do business, open up shop. And at that point, the NCAA rules were okay uh, with that happening. Uh, he brought a lot of attention to the issue, and then um, it became uh, a discussion which resulted in, you know, drafted legislation. I believe the ACC drafted the initial legislation. Uh, and and the, the schools voted on it and decided that uh, it was time to discontinue 
Division One coaches' involvement in these camps. So if it's an independent operator having a camp, uh, like a third-party sound mind, sound body, any other entity, uh, coaches can no longer attend those and instruct, and uh, schools can no longer take their camp, you know, off campus, if you will. So that it's been voted. It hadn't been finalized. I think the April 29th is when it will be voted. Uh, final. It can be finalized. Okay, Guy, during that time of which you were uh, sharing with us, uh, we, we've been uh, blessed with the fact that uh, Kurt has joined us. And, of course, uh, Curtis, uh, Curtis Blackwell, and, and Curtis is the CEO and founder of Sound Mind, Sound Body, of which we, we've talked about. Of course, his audience has heard about uh, his camps and the things that he's doing there up in the Detroit area. But, but I, I wanted to uh, welcome Curtis. And, uh, Curtis, um, can, can you hear me by chance? I want to make sure you can uh, hear. Yes, I can. Right. Oh, Thanks for having me on the show. Thank oh, you. No, no. Thank, thank you. I, I'm, I'm doing well, man. Uh, congratulations. It's been a while since I've seen you, but Michigan State, since the last time I've seen you, has won a, 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 a championship, and and you guys have been doing some great things up there in that area. So uh, let me just say that to you. But uh, let, let's go on, if you will, and because this is something that's sensitive to you. I, I am so. First of all, I want to say that uh, I've seen a lot of camps in my life. And uh, I have no um, allegiance to, to your camp other than I, I got a chance to know you. And, 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 you know, of course, Pro Sports Legacy, we did some things with you as it came to some video content. But uh, I had no indication about the kind of quality of a camp that, that you had put together and that you were conducting up there uh, right outside of um, Detroit. And I was so impressed when I got there. And when, when I left, it was one of those kind of things that it made such an impression on me that I, I, the young men that I talked to, their parents or whatever, I said, listen, if there's a camp that you're looking for, and, and I'm going to say this because I have been to FBU before. And, and I was impressed with that. But I was of the impression that if there was a camp that a person, a young person needed to attend, it was yours. You, you do an outstanding job. So I, I want to preface what I say by saying that. And because of that, uh, and it was the instruction, and it was more than just football. That audit, auditorium experience that I had and that we all share with those young men is invaluable. Uh, th that is the, the instruction part that I was just so impressed with. But, but Curtis, if, if you will, uh, when, when you heard about this, I, I don't know if, if they informed people like you because you, you have what I would call one of these satellite camps, but it's independently owned. It's not owned by a university. It's not a school taken there someplace. You run this camp. Uh, but when you heard about what was going to happen, I would imagine you had to be devastated because I know you've made an impact in so many of these kids' lives and them have an opportunity to get instruction from some of the best coaches because not every kid that comes to your camp is going to go to Michigan State, you know, Ohio State or, or wherever, the Alabama, wherever, uh, but they may go someplace else, uh, but they get the instruction at that time from some of the best coaches. So, so tell us a little bit, if you will, Curtis, share with us what your concerns are um, why you are trying to get other people to, to support you to continue to help these kids going forward. Well, what is it that the NC2A has said and, and what they're trying to do that really, really, you know, hits you in a point, hits you at a point where you have to say, we have to fight this. We can't let them do this. 
Well, once again, I thank you for uh, allowing me to be here today. And uh, you guys did an excellent job with uh, the video content that you provided for us and our foundation. And um, and, and it was very, very hard for me to leave Soundline, Soundbody uh, three years ago and come to Michigan State. Um, and uh, But having been the co-founder of the organization and having worked with Guy Troop and having had the opportunity to put in so many years of work, you know, I felt like I was leaving the program behind in good hands. And so in doing that, you know, the the one great thing about taking a job at Michigan State was that, you know, the NCA had legislation that allowed me to still be involved with Sound Mind, Sound Body as a board member. So I was no longer, you know, the the chief operator or the, you know, the camp director, but I could still be involved based upon the NCA legislation. Um, however, when finding out, uh, you know, what transpired last Friday, it, it hit me uh, real hard. And... And this has nothing to do with Sound Mind, Sound Body, um, because I know for a fact that Sound Mind, Sound Body is, is, is something that, you know, I, I feel is one of the best things I've ever been a part of with the people that I help, you know, work with to create it. But it hurt me because of, you know, the city, the kids, the parents, the families, the coaches. You know, I knew for a fact that, you know, this was a nationwide um, program and all of these opportunities presented hope, and a light at the end of the tunnel. And I felt like, you know, you kind of put a rock at the end of that cave and said, you know, you might not be able to get out of here unless you can push it out. And I say that because, you know, you have young people who, 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 who pin their whole year around getting scholarship offers. The name of the game right now in high school football is getting offers. Working here in Michigan State as the, as the, the director of college advancement, everything raised about how many offers you can get. When can you get your first offer? You get your offer in the 8th grade, the ninth grade, the 10th grade, the 11th grade, the 12th grade. When you get your offers? How many you got? Do you got any? Who you got them from? Big 10, MAC, Pac-12, Conference USA, HBCU. How many offers you got? Do you got a D2 offer or what? Anything. And so when you have coaches at camps, coaches at camps equal scholarship offers for kids. All right? Coaches equal scholarships. More coaches equal more scholarships. Less coaches, less scholarships. So when they said that I could no longer go to any more camps across America, that we could only work at camps here in East Lansing, I felt like that was just taking away opportunities for young people all across the country because no longer would they be able to get an influx of coaches coming down to one particular city, one particular campus for one particular day, and those kids to look out on that field and see hope on the other side of that field for one time out the year. And realistically, the sad part about it all is that, you know, we really didn't find uh, a midpoint, some sort of, you know, uh, you know some sort of uh, recourse that could sort of be, uh, you know, sort of can kind of help ease the pain. Say, so, all right, we can't do it the way it used to be done, but to kind of gradually transition to a new phase of doing things, this is the approach we're going to take. That was not even talked about. That was not even discussed. And it was sort of one of those all-or-nothing deals. And the worst part about it for me is I'm from the east side of Detroit. I work at Michigan State. I feel like I'm blessed, like you said, to be a part of a great football program that has experiencing one of the golden eras of football in our program's history. But for me, I know college scholarships was my way 
out of the hood. It was my way to Michigan State to be a part of what I consider, you know, one of the best college football programs in America. And that's me as a grown man working right now. But my bridge was my scholarship. And I know for a fact that unless you get a chance to get, you know, seen and viewed by coaches, you cannot, you know, you cannot get a scholarship. And the worst thing about this whole process, in my mind, is that it happened, you know, less than 60 days before kids got ready to go to their camp. So imagine we got a 1,000 kids signed up to go to camps all across the country in every place, or kids are coming to Michigan State camp, kids are coming to Ohio State camp, kids are going to uh, the Sound Mind, Sound Body camp. And if you're a high school junior right now, Ray, and someone tells you that, that just ruins your whole entire summer. You cannot get your senior year back. So once they come up with a sort of a resolution for this or some sort of, you know, secondary plan, that'll be great for high school freshmen or high school sophomores. But for the seniors in high school right now, there is nothing that can be done to take away the chance to get out here in front of coaches this summer because they already planned their budget and they already planned out what camps they were going to go to. And now that's been taken away. So now it's either they don't go to those camps or they don't go to college. Yeah, and that, that that's devastating right there. That's one of those things that it really, when I read this, and, and my interpretation was exactly that, is, is this is this is money that's already spent. These are plans that's already made. These are opportunities that are going to be lost, and they can't, you can't get them back. So uh, this class here is, is really going to uh, suffer. That'll be guys who are juniors right now going into their senior year next year. But uh, what I want to do, of course, I want to apologize for uh, the way I misspoke a little bit earlier. Uh, obviously, those of you who are familiar with the show know that Curtis and I, uh, that experience we had at Sound Mind, Sound Body, that video experience was, was a few years ago. And uh, so, of course, Curtis's status has changed, and he, and he updated everybody on that. We're going to take a break, and on the other side, I want to come back because I also want to get uh, Maurice's uh, comments on this. Of course, Maurice Foxworth is with us as well. Uh, Guy and Curtis, if you guys can hold on, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Form. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Form or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. 
The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voiceamerica. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear that music, you know the show. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and uh, got a couple of my good friends on on the line with me. And uh, one of them I have not got a chance to speak to yet is uh, Maurice Foxworth, and and, and Maurice, uh, who of course has a, or oh, you may not know, I shouldn't say of course to the audience, but Maurice is uh, joining us. But he has a legal background, and and I don't want to get myself in any trouble legally, uh, nor do I want to get any of the student athletes in trouble legally. But what I've always been concerned about, because I spoke about it at the top of the show. And, and I'm hoping that at some point in time, uh, my good friend Spencer Tillman is able to join us. And I don't think Spencer's on the line yet, but he may join us, too, because uh, I want to talk to Spencer about some of these things. But, Maurice, I mean, there, there is so much business of sports. I mean, sports, college sports is business. And I, I'll never forget when, uh, when I spoke to Gene Smith on the phone one time. And uh, Gene's from Cleveland. I'm from Canton, Ohio. And, of course, I, I told him, I said, Gene, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I know you're from Cleveland. I'm from Canton. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And, and so we talked about a couple things. And uh, he told me he was running a business. Now, my preparation for my call prior to me calling Gene was that I never thought that we were going to be discussing business because I thought it was about an experience as a student athlete, not about business. So I thought I was as if I was unprepared at that time when he threw that out at me. And I certainly was underrepresented at the time where I negotiated my business deal. Th- this is so much business in student athletics nowadays, Maurice. Do you as, as, as a legal mind think that it's time for student athletes to have some type of representation or somebody that the nc2a is the nc2a and they are god there's nobody else to stop them except the courts hey Ray, Ray, can i can i do the proper introduction to maurice you don't uh know a lot about his background so i i was always uh of the opinion that i don't want to force him to beat his own chest but he's a he's a (laughs) former college student athlete he played for the first uh, African American coach at a Division One uh, institution. Uh, it, Willie Jeffries was the head coach at Wichita State University. Maurice uh, was, you know, an, uh, a 130 pound Division One cornerback that ended up making All American by the time he left there. So uh, I wanted to contextualize that his brother went to Minnesota. 
uh, on a scholarship, played with the great Tony Dungy. And Maurice was one of those student athletes that struggled through undergraduate but earned a master's degree and a, and a law degree from prestigious universities after that collegiate athlete experience and now, you know, works for himself. So I just wanted to sort of frame him as a, as a you know, a, a 50-year-old gentleman that went through the gauntlet of intercollegiate athletics that has a perspective uh, that is informed. And, before he jumped in. And, 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 and I thank you for doing that, Guy, and, and no way uh, was I at all trying to, to, to slight uh, Maurice on his introduction. <laughs> no, no, no. But, I'm, but you know, I'm just, I, I, was just, I got into it because he and I was on the phone a little bit earlier before we started the show, and, and I started to get into it at that time. But I, I couldn't wait to get to this aspect of it because uh, he, he right away deferred to the fact that he uh, had family members and, and like you said, uh, never wanted to beat his chest and, and didn't want to acknowledge his accomplishments. But adding that to this, that even more, I'm hoping that, uh, and not a bias, but just from a legal perspective, uh, it, is it time for, for college student-athletes to have some type of representation so that we won't have to have all these allies calling in on shows to speak on their behalf that they will have an organization that represents them? Do, do you think that's something they should uh, consider? Yeah, there, there's no question that it's, it's time. It's past time, as a, as a matter of fact, because, you know, everyone else in, in the system has expert uh, T's, legal advice, uh, business advice, uh, everyone except a student-athlete. And so everyone else is about business. Everyone else, else is condoned to be about business except a student-athlete. When the student-athlete talks about being uh, a business person and looking out for their rights, uh, both legally and financially, it becomes a problem. And Maurice, I, and, I'm, and, and you said that last part, you said it, and I'm not so much concerned in this conversation about the financial aspects, but certainly the business aspects. And the business aspects is if you're going to control my exposure of perhaps maybe getting a scholarship and there's nobody out there to say, no, that's not the right thing to do. We're, we're trying to get these young men as much exposure as we possibly can. Uh, then, then I think that's truly unfair. And somebody has to step up and say that, that a lot of the focus has been on the pay for play. But there's other aspects that are business related, that business decisions are being made. And, and let me ask you this from, from a business perspective what is it that you feel legally? And the guy mentioned the territory, the kind of, you know, in the hood, we talk about the turf. You know, you don't, you know, whether the turf is you don't come in and, and, and like, like the young kid at UCLA said, they didn't want the Los Angeles Rams coming to L.A., because they're going to steal their girls, <laughs> you know, so, so, so again, they turf, man, they protecting their turf. In this particular case, you know, Alabama doesn't want Michigan coming into Alabama to steal their ball players. Okay, I, I, I get that, but is there any place else in the world where we have free enterprise here, let's say in the United States of America, McDonald's can't tell Burger King they can't buy, open up a store next door. You know, it, exactly. We we have laws uh, against that. There are antitrust laws against monopolies that exert their monopolistic powers against those other uh, competition competition uh, competitors and, and others. And in this case, is exactly what's happening. The Power Five conferences are uh, using their market power to keep those particular schools in a status quo position. So I, I'm, I'm reading something here from a Sports Illustrated 
uh, of about uh, November of 2011, special edition. It says, new ways of thinking about race, about media, about celebrity have always played out in our fields and our courts. This is where we tell each other who we are. What is the NC2A telling us about who they are when nobody else does this, but you choose to do this to student-athletes, the weakest of, of weak on, on a campus, because most of the time a student-athlete, you know, if somebody's won an academic scholarship, I think they seem to have a little more power than those who have come onto the campus as a, as a student-athlete and, and, and won a scholarship in that capacity, because that's person with the athletic scholarship, you know, he feels as if, you know, and, and Guy can speak to this a little bit, he's got to earn his each year, I believe. Uh, but you know, Yeah, right. I, I mean, I think where you're going, and, and I, I want to just speak, and I want to use the word advocacy. So, you know, the NCA structure has a student-athlete advisory board. So each campus has a committee where student-athletes uh, their voice can be heard inside of that structure. Uh, so they call it SAC is the acronym. So that can, you, can you repeat that, guy? Because I want some other people out there to hear that. Because this is some of the first time. Advise, student athlete advisory committee. So each campus has a has a, a a group of athletes that can join this committee and advocate on behalf of student athletes' rights. So you know. Of course, they're probably, you know, a smaller, uh, they, have, they have less influence, but structurally, that there is a system in place where they can advocate for their rights. Now, the high school recruiting student-athlete doesn't have that, and that's where an advocate like a Curtis Blackwell uh, really makes a difference in, 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 you know, trying to create a framework where athletes understand their opportunity and their power, if you will. So uh, I'd like to defer to Curtis if he's still on the line and to really just speak to his 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 ilk, his makeup as an advocate for disenfranchised, disadvantaged athletes, because I think I think that's at the crux of this discussion. Okay, once you realize that there is a weak link, there is a there is a poor in the structure of the athletic system. The poor just happens to be the elite athlete. They're, you know, they're the disenfranchised. They're the downtrodden. They're at the lowest end of this capitalistic structure. So I, you know, Curtis has been pouring into this group, you know, for over 12 years with Sound Mind, Sound Body, and I'd, I'd like for him to just speak about the need for advocacy. Well, yeah, I would just say, like, you know, as a individual who works with high school students um, here or, or before I got here and now on college campuses, the bigger, the bigger concern is that um, young people don't have a way to voice their opinions or to kind of access, um, you know, the entry points to this industry that we have created. And, and I say that because we, I'm, a, I'm a, an individual that's benefited from, you know, the, the game of football based upon my position here in Michigan State. And so I feel an obligation to ensure that other individuals have access to this industry that is so prosperous for all of us that are on this side of the fence. 
And the sad part about what's happening right now is that the young people that are trying to get to this side are not sure of what way they can take to gain entry points into where we're at. And so when you have decisions like what occurred last Friday, uh, it makes them really feel, you know, um, you know, like they've been disenfranchised because they're looking at it from a perspective of, all right, we thought we had a shot at gaining access to Michigan State or to other schools at this camp or these other camps at Ohio State or Nebraska, but now you just took that away from us. So now what is our recourse? How do we go about, um, you know, making uh, a plea to try to get, you know, get, get, get back into the graces of having an opportunity to be at those camps or those opportunities to showcase our talents? Because basically what happened is opportunities have been reduced and restricted. And so that means that, you know, less coaches at these camps, less opportunities. And now the young people are trying to figure out what do they do. And they have no rights, no advocates, no people to speak up for them, no voices. And so for me, I'm kind of conflicted, you know, here at Michigan State because my phone is blowing up with people asking me, like, hey, you know, Coach Blackwell, what can we do? Parents, high school coaches, individuals all across the country are saying, you know, what do we do? You know, and I have no answer, nor do I have any way to tell them to do anything but speak your mind and, and try to voice your opinion. And, yeah, so, and, and uh, Ray, what I'd like to say is so that advocacy that is taking place inside of Sound Mind, Sound Body, I want to I I quantify it for you because, because we're talking about business and numbers matter. Uh, people, human resources, human capital, dollars and cents, expenses and revenue. So, you know, Curtis this year created, Curtis and Sound Mind, Sound Body, our board, created a vision of, of going national, six markets, to to do what to duplicate what has been done in Detroit and DC for the last ten years to give kids around the country a similar opportunity and experience. So yeah, there are X number of elite athletes that come to this you know, five hundred or so kids at camp. Yeah, there's gonna be fifty or so really, really great players. And there's going to be 450, you know, guys who are trying to make a name for themselves. So we call them sort of first-timers. You know, tons of kids that Curtis has advocated for by what? Helping them enroll in this free in this camp, open enrollment, and, and go through our curriculum, our sound mind curriculum, before they ever hit the field. So he's advocating, you know, for education, and then providing the bridge so that they know how to turn it on to be coachable in front of, you know, really the person with the purse string. So there's, of those four or 500 kids, I mean, 50 to 100 every year are being offered their first offer. And so that, you know, that's a critical point of, his, of the organization's success that, that would be damaged over time, and so the word damages is what, you know, I wanted to lead to. Advocacy, you know, started out. Now we're being damaged as an organization. Kids are, are being hurt. Curtis has helped the organization seed itself, and we have uh, sponsorships and supporters nationwide that have put resources into this. Now, you know, what happens with all those resources? They have venue. You know, travel expenses. You know, paid. Uh, you know, paid uh, coaches that come to work the camp. So all of this money has been committed, uh, and there's no real 
foundation to do what we've done in the past. And and when we when we speak about the experience of, of, of what happens at Sound Mind, Sound Body, there are other satellite camps across the country, perhaps maybe not the same business model, but there are other camps that are going to be sacrificed and opportunities that are going to be sacrificed. So we're not just talking about sound mind, sound body, we're advocating for others out there across the country as well. Would I be correct in saying that? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And so that would would take me, uh, Curtis, because I want to make sure before you you leave, I just want to make sure now, you, you talked about, you know, some people that are experiencing these things for the first time. That's one thing that I think people don't understand is uh, there are very few families like the Foxworth family that have multiple talented athletes that get recruited across the country by, by multiple schools. I remember in my day growing up in Ohio, it was the Browner family. I'm, in, I'm from Canton here from Warren up the road there. But sometimes parents are experiencing these things for the, for the first time. And, and so this type of information or, or, or any advocacy group that might be out there, a uh, guy mentioned on the college campuses, they have these student-athlete advisory committees. These young men, how are they made aware of anybody out here who can speak on your behalf or who can advocate on your behalf or, or, or sometimes uh, who to trust? Uh, that type of information, even the clearinghouse. I remember a couple years ago, there were a couple athletes that missed out on the opportunity to get a scholarship because they were not aware of the clearinghouse. This type of information, how does a student athlete, do you instruct them, Curtis, of how to get all this type of information they need to need, they need to uh, participate in or, or they need to get? A lot of this is based upon the support you have at home or your high school football program, or your guidance counselor inside of your school. And then if that does not exist, a lot of times it will happen from third-party organizations such as Sound Mind, Sound Body, or other programs throughout the community that are resources to young people. Typically what you find in underserved communities is they are underrepresented in terms of uh, staffing to provide the additional support because they barely have enough to uh, get the bare minimum things, let alone have what they would call the bonus things, such as uh, you know uh, a college recruiting coordinator at their school or someone who is sort of a, a liaison to NCA institutions for helping with the recruiting process. So what happens a lot of times is that um, when you make rules like the ones that took place last week, last Friday, um, it's, it's going to affect the people who have the least amount of resources because you don't have an ability to uh, pick up and reschedule and, and, um, and, make, a, and make adjustments. And so the, the, the saddest part about this whole ordeal, Ray, is that the majority of the top players that are playing in these national championship games or on the schools that where I work at, like Michigan State, come from underserved communities across the country. Yet they have the least amount of access and the least amount of consideration or the least amount of voice or you know, ability to provide feedback in the whole process that they are going to be trying to get a part of. And so I would think that it would be the other way, whereas the people that we are serving, the people that we want to be a part of it, have just a, you know, they have just the amount of chance as anyone else to be a part of these programs or, or these institutions that we are creating because that's what college athletics is all about, opportunities, opportunities, opportunities. And we should be creating opportunities and making sure that the ones that we really want the most have equal access to the programs that we're trying to uh, promote 
each and every day when we go across the country. Um, well, that access point, Maurice, if you're still there, I'd like you to talk about it from a legal standpoint because it really it feels as if, to me, that, uh, you know, the, the voting process that, that the athlete uh, does not get to weigh in on the NCA legislative process in any way and other than the student-athlete advisory committee uh, I think that schools or presidents or, or athletic directors may run some legislation by enrolled student-athletes, but is that, when you look at that business structure, what does that say about the way that the organization is built from a, uh, a legal standpoint, that you know a constituent inside uh, can be impacted by negatively impacted by votes uh, while they're still on scholarship. So you could take even the NC, uh, the, the Louisville case. Uh, they get accused of a violation, you know, prostitution. The head coach uh, and the university take the kids out of the tournament. Uh, but these 12, 13 guys on the basketball team in Louisville had nothing to do with the violation and they're negatively impacted by it. So what what does that say about the structure? Uh, and are there other organizations in the world that, that are similarly situated? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you have to remember that the NCAA is an association of universities represented by the president. So the accountability is to the institution, not the individual athletes. And so that creates a dilemma. Uh, what's in the best interest of the institution is paramount to their relationship to the association, not necessarily the well-being of the student-athlete. And oftentimes over the years that um, there, there's been a conflict in terms of uh, what master is to be served. Is it the institution or is it the student-athlete? And in this case, we clearly see it's the institution. And not necessarily the entire body of institutions that are part of the NCAA, but squarely it falls on these the five power conferences that wield so much power in the NCAA, and particularly in the football arena that controls um, the, the large share of financial um, uh, remuneration that, that helps the association to survive. Hey, guys, we're going to have to take a break right there. Uh, so, Maurice, please hold on. We're going to finish that comment on the other side. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Uh, we're going to finish it out. Uh, I want to thank my friend uh, Curtis Blackwell uh, from Michigan State University. Uh, Curtis, of course, is a, a board member of Sound Mind, Sound Body, uh, but is now at Michigan State University, uh, but but is uh, very compassionate and, and passionate about um Sound mind, sound body, and just helping student athletes. He, he's he's a young man that came from an environment of which uh, athletics helped him uh, improve his life, and and he sees that it's being threatened now, not his life, but the lives of of other young men who are trying to improve their life and their lifestyle, and and help people in their communities. And so we we were talking just before we went to break, and and I want to get back because uh, Maurice uh, Foxworth, uh, who was talking to us a little bit about. Um, the NC2A and, and of course, where their um, uh, uh, allegiance is to, and that is obviously to the universities, uh, but we want to try to find a way of how uh, somebody can step up and represent these young men who may be compromised. There are a lot of things that have happened, and, and, and Guy, I'm going to let uh, Maurice talk about it a little bit, but I want you to jump in, too, because there are a lot of things that have been rules that have been implemented in the last few years that that seem to somehow affect some of the urban kids who may not get an opportunity uh, there's been a focus they say there was something to do with grades at some point in time you know then there's graduation rate you know and and now we're talking about these satellite camps uh curtis is, is there a solution that you can think of I'm sorry, uh, Maurice, is there a solution that you can think of? And then I want Guy to, 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 to answer those or address those couple things I just mentioned about a couple things that's been thrown out there that have a direct effect on the urban community and what does he think about that. But, but Maurice, what, what do you think could be done? Is there something that can be done and should be done immediately? Well, is, is one thing I think you alluded to earlier that's an important part of getting to an answer and that's representation. And, and, our, and our legal system uh, is really geared towards uh, helping the weak have a voice. Because if you're powerful, you can use your dollars. If you're influential, you can use you know, the public uh, access you have. But as a student athlete, you don't have much but the legal system. And there are some, some legal um, strategies that could be put in place to look at you know, how these institutions monopolize um, their standing, their their market power, and use that against student athletes. And Maurice, you, l- l- let me say this right here too. You, you and I and Guy all know this is that 
not they they really monopolize it because for the simple fact that until you reach a certain age in life or until you participate for a certain amount of time in college athletics, you can't be a part of the professional leagues here in this country. So that's where we have no voice. And we talked about them being the weakest. That person that's on, on the college campus, they could be brilliant. They could be a genius at 15 years old and, and, and be in the college and get their degree and at 18 could be working someplace. You know, that doesn't work like that in, in, in sports anymore. You've got to go through their system. You've you got to, you know, master is master and, and you've got to serve master. But so, Guy, um, go ahead. I'm going to let you close it out. We got four minutes. I'm sure there's some commentary you want to provide as we close out. But but again, if you could touch on those couple things where a couple issues that have been addressed or or made um a more focus has been put on them seems like they've been things that would improve the life the graduation does improve the life but at the same time it also has affected some opportunities for certain people and we know who those people that have been sacrificed have, have been but but anyway go yeah. ahead guy well I, I i would just say you know i, I think that there's there are great merits to the university system, the access, the opportunity to educate, uh, be educated, and, and, and pursue a sport you love, basketball, football, field hockey. You know, you can argue about, you know, the revenue-producing sports supporting others. But generally speaking, I, I support the model of, of uh, collegiate sports with one caveat that the amateurism hat that's being worn be taken off and re- reconstructed uh, renegotiated, and uh, so let's take the word out of it first. The structure could be similar, and I believe athletes should have some control over their likeness. Uh, that's that's my solution. But in terms of the, the solution for this problem we're talking about, you know, the Northwestern kids talked about a union. I think it's time for a national association that functions similarly to legal aid or some uh, appointed, uh, court-appointed attorney where by state, you know, an athlete who felt wronged by a system, a state system, a big five, power five school, would, would be able to go somewhere and have the best legal minds in the country help him with his issue or her issue. And I, that would be what I would advocate for. That's what I believe would be fair, equitable, a good compromise in the current structure. And, and then the last point I'll make is the dollars are there. You just have to follow the money. So where, who's being paid at the top of this food chain? You know, head coaches are being paid more than presidents and athletic directors. So if you're looking for buckets of money to support an advocacy organization there's money there yeah well guy man thank you for for sharing that with us and i certainly believe it all, all we are here to do today and and every time we come on this show is just to be that advocate for the student athletes that does not have a voice so anytime the three of us or or anybody from uh, of course the those folks who have been supporting guy troop and troop 21 uh who's been supporting uh college athletes and pro athletes for for decades, uh, we certainly appreciate you tuning into the show and, and getting behind us and, and standing up for these young men. It's about that time, so I want to thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time.
Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.